Today, I am chatting to author Elle Knopf-Holmes about her debut novel, Tandalula, winner of the Chiswick Authors Award 2020. The child of self-absorbed parents abandoned in 1970 South Africa, Tandalula navigates abuse, misogyny, AIDS and apartheid to find love, purpose and belonging in a most unlikely and forbidden place. A compelling read. It's got the lot from dysfunctional parents to drug abuse. I thoroughly enjoyed it and was so excited to have the opportunity to chat with the author. This is what Elle had to tell me. Support Dog Desk Animal Action by using easyfundraising.org.uk. Get free donations at no extra cost every time you shop. Would you like to tell the listeners about your journey to writing? What inspired you to to write this this novel? And is it your first? Uh, yes, it is my first proper novel. I've written. I've been a writer since university. Various scripts, uh, short films, film scripts, editing and advertising campaigns, um, stories, um, but not a full length novel. So yes, it's the first full novel. Um, I think it was Martin Amis that I read years ago that said writers, they have these thing, this thing in your subconscious called the backroom boys. And I think that's what happened with this because it was sort of fermenting for decades. I mean, it's semi-autobiographical anyway, um, but the sort of construct and the character was just fermenting in my brain in, in the back room sort of thing for a couple of decades and then I think there was some sort of catalyst in my personal life. I'd had a really high pressured job that I'd left and was having a bit of time off. And it just the word it just came flooding out. I started writing it and could almost not stop. So I was writing a couple of thousand words a day. It was just flooding out because I'd left it so long fermenting. It was inevitable. It had to come out. <laughs> so um, did did it take you very long to write it? No, not in the well, 20 years of fermenting. Um <laughs> And then the actual physical writing took me less than a year because it was spilling out of me. It just had to come out. It wasn't, it was a great way to write actually, but obviously that's not practical. If you're writing for a living, you have to action the ideas sooner than 20 years. But for this particular one, um, that, that, that was helpful <laughs> for the physical writing because right there often people say writing is editing. So it spilled out really quickly, got the 50,000, 60,000 words out. Uh, within a year uh, and then the rest is sort of editing and proofing and stuff but um yeah that was the story for that one but that's definitely not how it goes for every book yeah were you super strict with yourself with regards to how you wrote did you make yourself sit down and write at a particular time every day or did you just go oh I'm gonna write now and boom <laughs> off you go for hours scribble scribble um, scribble I- did make sure I did at least a thousand words every single day, seven days a week, um, even if life was busy and that could be any time of day. But I, I'm a great writer of lists. So I'd write it every single day in my diary and make sure I ticked it off unless there was some way humanly impossible that I couldn't do a thousand words. I would always yeah, sit down and write a thousand words at least every day to get the first draft down, to just get to get it out on the page. Did yeah. you ever have block? Uh uh, maybe a block with structure or syntax or certain use of language, but not the actual idea and the flow, because I had 
the story in my idea in my head for so long and then I wrote down the, the arc of the story if you like which is what you should always really have in a, any story short or long novel or not um so I'd written the story arc this is what happens beginning middle end um there was a structure to that um but no I didn't have blocks I guess I don't actually I always think I'm gonna have a writer's block and when you're working in an ad agency as a copywriter which I have done quite a lot every single job with a blank page sitting in front of you and the time pressure behind you and people waiting for your creative work you I always think I'm gonna have a block and I've spoken to a lot of writers and they say yeah I feel exactly the same it's terrifying um but even though I thought I might have one nearly every day I sat down to write, I, I didn't, thankfully. <laughs> was there was there anything in the book that you found particularly difficult to write about? Uh, all of it was, um, it absolutely rinsed me emotionally, the whole thing. But I guess when it's semi-autobiographical and it's about traumatic events in your life, that's always going to be an issue. Um I had to recover from the whole of the writing, if you like, for quite a few months. It was exhausting. Um, I guess the things that were most difficult were the things about my own parents, the most traumatic events, the most uh, reliving them, the things that you sort of almost tried to get over as an adult that you'd relived, you'd, you'd experienced as a child that were very, that were traumas, was mm. quite hard, was upsetting at times. Um, but it had to be done. And it was cathartic, as you can imagine. Yes, that was my next question. Did it make you feel better after you'd written it? It's in that book. It's done. It's out in the open. and Everybody's reading about it. Do you, Elle, feel uh, better for doing that? Yeah, it was definitely a form of therapy. Um, definitely. I think that's why it just spilled out. It was a story I had to tell. It I had to get out on the page after decades of um um, subjugating it sort of thing um it physically had to come out of me there's physically no way I could have not have written it um yeah so it was a catharsis and I would suggest it's a really good thing for you to get things out of your head onto the page whether you're writing a novel or a list or a diatribe or a diary or journal um I would suggest you can't lose doing that anyway as a, just as a human being um, so I'd suggest that, you know, rather than it bouncing around in your skull, any thoughts about anything, it's always good to get it out on the page. And it's, I would encourage lots of people to do that. And it might turn into a story or a book yeah, yeah. or a song. Yeah, even. Um, oh. The structure of the the book was very good for me with the short chapters. And you weren't over flowery with your descriptions of things either, which mm. which I think is probably quite important to many of us because we're very busy and yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm reading things all day, every day. Mm. And when it becomes too descriptive, I tend to drift off a little bit because I have the yeah. concentration span of a goldfish. So it's a nice, easy read, even though it's meaty and it's quite dark, listeners. Mm. Um, I would I would thoroughly recommend that you go and get yourself a copy and have a read of it because uh, it is it is fabulous. And I don't always say about that that about all the books that I that I read and review either so yeah it was excellent can we talk about the central character a little bit um Elle is that all right you can't yes the child yes Mm. of course yeah um sorry I was gonna say on that pacey note very quickly as well though I think my um uh, grounding as a copywriter helped that because um I was sort of brought up learning about David Ogilvy, a poster should be 10 words or less. 
Um, you're trying to get things across very quickly when you're selling things in advertising. So it has to be very pithy, pacey. You have a second to engage people. And even more so now with the social, people scan things. Um, yeah, I, I can't read flowery prose myself as much as I've tried over the years. So, yes, you're right. If you like a pacey read that t- and I was always sort of taught, read on, read on, read on, read on and get mm. someone to act and buy your product. So yep. if you can't get on someone to read onto your next sentence, you're really not doing your job as a copywriter. And I think that's just come out in my prose as well. I loved it. If people like it, that's great. I hope they do. Um, the central character, yes, the child, a complicated beast. <laughs> um, yeah. So some of that was me as a child. Some of the things that happened were me actually happened to me. Some things didn't because it's a novel. Um, probably won't go into too much detail about that. Leave that up to the reader a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, they might be surprised they might think some of the things are made up the other ones that actually happened and vice versa but that's part of the the journey and the the fun if you like um reading semi-autobiographical things um yeah she's a, a complex beast she's probably she goes down darker rabbit holes than I do as a person naturally um, although we all do go down them and her, I don't want to give anything away, but her very strong feelings to her father at the end um, definitely don't completely re- uh, reflect mine. Um, she goes uh, down a very dark path at the end and teasing into the next novel, if you like, um, just down there. But is there anything specific you want me to answer um, regarding her? Because I don't want to give too much away. No, no, I know. It's it's tricky, isn't it? But Did you find her interesting? Or oh, gosh, Or yes. not? Or oh, yeah, I loved her. You liked her? As, yeah. Definitely. I, I liked all the characters, even the ones that weren't Which very likeable. <laughs> That's interesting. Because it was, it was real. It's a very real mm. novel. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm yeah. Well, all the characters were based on, there were only a few that I um, crafted from scratch, I would say. Some of the more peripheral uh, family characters on both sides of the fence, if you like, without giving the story away. Um so a lot of them were grounded in people who I'd actually known as a child and then as an adult and embellished on and made fuller. Um, hopefully, I think the child was uh, was born a, a very a kind little girl. There's a story that happens to a lot of us, I think. We're born yeah. um, sweet-natured, very kind, very well-meaning, loved animals, her animals were everything to her. And then, of course, adults come into the story and spoil children if you like and that definitely happened to her so she started off as a very kind little girl and through the trials of what happened in life that was uh kindness was sorely tested and and she became quite troubled Um, but I think she was still trying to do she was trying to still do kind things as an adult despite all this um trauma caused by other people in her life she was still trying her hardest um not to lose her way from her fundamental um, traits, if you like, but but struggling like we all do. Fascinating parents, yeah. listeners. I read it and wondered if I was related to them. This really? will resonate. This novel will resonate with so many people. I'm very sure of I that. Hope so. Yeah. Um, mm. Tough. Very tough. Yeah. Situation. And it was a different time. So I think men and women in the 70s and men and women or husband and wife rather in the 70s and certainly in that environment in South Africa in the 70s um, is very different from how it is now and how yeah. relationships are now. 
But I think, like you say, it has aspects that anyone can relate to that's ever been in a relationship. And having grown up with um, experiencing the fantastic black families that I I experienced as a child in South Africa, fortunately, the caring side of them and the strength of their family, as opposed to mine, which was breaking down the white family, you'd think it would have been the opposite, but it very much was not. Um, Walking around the streets of London, I feel safe when a black man approaches me because yeah. I've only experienced the positive and caring side of me. They were the people that looked after me when I was a child yeah. when, when my white family was not. Yeah. It's so, all bad and, out there. That's the point I was trying to make, you know, yeah. and, and we are told if you go to this particular country, it may not be South Africa, but anywhere, yeah. you know, or something really bad's going to happen to you because it's terrible. Well, no, that isn't always the case. Obviously, you have to be cautious wherever you go. And yeah, of course, know, New York, London, exactly. Know what you're doing. Stockholm. Be a bit street savvy. But um, yeah, it was that that attitude of, you know, if you go to the townships, um, they're not going to be very welcoming to you. But actually, they are. It's a shame. Definitely. I mean, last time I went, I met a load of compatriots of Nelson Mandela, and they had a choir, and they all they cooked and they sang for us. And it was uh, just a fantastic experience to hear about their stories as non-famous friends of his and what they experienced as well. Yeah. But a lot of um, black men um, here and abroad have fantastic um, mothers, I found. Yeah. So I had, I've had friends from Nigeria, male friends, just platonic friends, who have been my protector certainly when I was at university and now I have Nigerian black male friends they have been brought up like with by fantastic mothers and in fantastic families and their values are superb towards women but you yeah like you say they they don't uh, you don't hear about this in the news a lot of the times as well the the British news you know that's its own entity but um, and I think that's a shame so does your novel kind of turn that on its head a little bit with your characters yeah, yeah, I just told a story that was almost true. Okay. So, um, I yeah, I didn't particularly have to work hard at, at developing the, the characters in the townships because they were the ones I had actually experienced that had looked after me, not necessarily in a township environment, but in my life. Yes. Um, so, yes, it, it does turn it on its head. Um but it was it just came from a place of truth. It wasn't something I tried to do. I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to turn people's perceptions on their head. I just wrote a story that was part yes. of my past and yeah. that I thought was worth telling. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I definitely think it's worth telling. It's wonderful. Um, do you have a sequel in the, in the pot, in the mixing pot? I do. I, I do, where the main character... Um, I don't want to give too much away. It's the next part of her story. And we think she's come to a great place at the end of Tandalula, but actually there's a twist and a turn and she's taken off in another direction. And it's a dark direction, um, but we wonder how she's going to deal with it um, as a, a, a woman on her own. And there could be many ways it goes. So what kind of timeline are we looking at? Because in this, in Tandalula, we're, you know, we're talking about um, 
the AIDS era, really, aren't we? We're talking yeah, about Yeah, it goes and, from 70s, yeah, right childhood to, in the 70s, yeah. to experiencing the era of, the era of AIDS in the 80s. Um, and so do you pick up from that point? Yeah, I, I do. It, there won't be a gap. I pick up from the point of what happens to her um, after her experience in the township, after her marriage, etc., and what happens there, and then where she goes next. So, yeah, she's still fighting her demons, but in a, a different environment, which I hope will be an, also a compelling read to anyone who's interested in... Uh, well, modern issues with women relationships and especially um, Southern Africa, really. You like meaty issues, don't you? We've got <laughs> misogyny. We've got the yeah. AIDS area, the, um, sorry, the HIV. We've got dysfunctional families. We, I mean, it's all there, isn't it? We've got abandonment. It? We've got Apartheid, abuse. We've got yep. alcoholism. Yep. Um, uh, drug abuse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's all in there. Poverty. And the opposite we have. Yeah, and misogyny, like you said. Yes, it's all in there, but um, this is the world. It is, isn't it? Um, it? Was there any kind of message that you wanted to send to people who read your book or not? Um, again, only by way of um, writing as I went along. It wasn't a, an aim at the beginning. The aim was just to tell the story, hope it resonated and supported some people. For example, on Amazon, it's... It does best in the sections for childhood trauma, abuse and abandonment, novel-wise, and it does well in the teen section because um, people going through these issues themselves, I think, want to read that other people have gone through this and come out the other side. So that would the message of it probably is about staying true to yourself no matter what happens and that however dark things get and however much loss you experience, there is always another day. And yeah. there will be other people who support you, even if you go through patches where you don't think that's ever going to happen again. Um, one of the things that I was reminded of when I read your book is that the HIV um, epidemic in that area had largely not been addressed for a very long time. And that is incredibly sad and unforgivable. Um, yeah. it's, it is. It was kept quiet. I think mm. I touched on it in the book, don't I? You do. But um, I did some more research around it from beyond what I knew in my head. And yes, it was actually kept quiet through fear. Um, and in smaller, I think, um, places like Lesotho, they they actively um, um, denied it was happening. Um, so people didn't get the treatment they could have got. So I think some of it was possibly wrapped up in, you know, obviously the poverty aspect, not having the money. But a lot of it was denial and misinformation and governments actively promoting denial and misinformation, which probably cost a lot of people their lives and which is unconscionable and absolutely unforgivable. Mm, yes. And it had been noticed there in the 50s. Yeah. Am I right in saying that? Such Decades a long time before. ago. Yeah. So people knew and yes. did nothing. Yeah. That's yeah, terrible, that's isn't it? It only really, once it touched America, <laughs> did um, uh, any medical intervention sort of balloon, um, which is just horrendous. So yeah. people just got sick and died and didn't yes. know why. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah. terrible. Children, adults, yeah, families. Mm. Yeah. 
it is it's it's just frightening okay so people are going to go and buy this book because i'll tell you why you need to buy this book not just because it's a great read this is but also this lady gives so much of her money her hard-earned cash away to animal welfare organizations and she she looks after is it it's two dogs that you've got with us isn't it I've got two half adoptions. Well, no, that's fine. I'm still two dogs. But I'm I'm such a, a, I mean, what else do we need? I have a house. I have a fantastic family. I have food on the table. You know, I can't not give if there's a, there's there's so many terrible stories, Michelle, as well. You know, there's so many charities, the the Asia bear, yourselves and the elephants and Niles dogs. And, you know, there's so many fantastic charities saving lives and stopping suffering, I think, on a day to day, in a day to day way. That mm. it's, I just—that's the most important thing. Once my children are fed, I'm fed. My dog's fed. Um, everything else is, uh, you know, what else do we need when we're well, adults? You're incredibly like kind giving. To us I just all. like helping other. You know, it's, it's just it, like you. You couldn't stop and see suffering and not do something about it. Absolutely. And I only give to support others. You know, people yes. are working on this like yourselves day in, day out, day out. So giving a, giving a bit of um, extra wages is, 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 yeah. Well, your no your problem. book sales feed dogs. So there's another reason to go and buy it, <laughs> yes. folks. It's amazing. And I'm not getting paid to do this, okay? <laughs> and I'm not. I bought the book myself. Thank you. I had no freebies or anything like that. I'm just telling you this Thank because you. I think that you will enjoy it. It's a fantastic read and we can't wait for the next one so when's the next one coming out well it's drafted it's probably about well I, I went off on a tangent and started I did some care work in during the pandemic and another story came out of that with a 95 year old lady that I was caring for so I started writing another book that's completely autonomous um but Tandalula Mark 2 is probably about three quarters of the way through so probably looking at I mean oh, it's going to be next year now I was yeah got distracted this year does it have a working title? Um, Abuja Tandalula. Okay. So we go off to Abuja for a while. We go to Nigeria. We go out of the township into Nigeria, which is a fascinating country as well. So Abuja Tandalula will be two. Well, I will be looking out for it. Where can people find it? On Amazon, I guess, yes? That will be on Amazon. It'll Yeah, it'll be sitting with Tandalula eventually when it's published. Uh, yeah, you'll be able to see it if you google tandalula it'll come up as, as another book from the same author can folks get it from you or independent bookstores or is amazon your main go-to Amazon's my main route to market yeah uh kindle if you have a kindle limited it will be free um i oh, try wow. and keep the costs really low just because it's um i'm you know i'm not in it for the money but the extra cost is great for the dogs um so the the paperback and hardback i usually try and keep the prices really accessible for people fantastic thank you so much for giving us your time to tell us about thank this you. wonderful work of yours and um yeah. listeners i really look forward to hearing from you you can tell me what you think get don't forget to get your reviews in because that's really yes. important isn't it for it really is the life book fledgling for authors i don't think that yes. people understand that quite as much it's so Total. important isn't it it is yeah good to or get, bad it's all to the talking point Please. Oh, it'll all be good. It'll yeah. all be fabulous because the book is. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, Elle. It's Michelle.